Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and we are recording Waiver Wire Monday. By we, I mean, of course, myself and Dwayne The Rock McFarland, PFF Senior Analyst. You can find him on Twitter, at Dwayne McFarland. And context matters because, of course, it does. Dwayne, happy week seven. We are almost halfway through the year. Yeah, we have bye week hell on the way. Like, <laughs> I, I used to only call it bye week hell as a fantasy player. Now that like I write every week, I'm like, oh, it's bi-week rejuvenation. <laughs> I have my utilization report will be like however many teams shorter. Uh, it's a uh, dude. I'm excited, man. Um, lots of lots of cool stuff going on. Um, not a super heavy week, though, on the waiver wire on the waiver wire this week. But man, I'm writing my article right now. There's a lot of upgrades and downgrades um, with just trends that are showing up over the last two to three weeks. So excited to get that out to the people tomorrow. It is nice to look like I'm not going to lie. I enjoy having my article take four hours and 30 minutes instead of five hours. But I do laugh when people really go overboard on Twitter about like, oh, my thank God we have six bye weeks. It's like we we mentioned this, man. We have to wake up and write about football and talk about football every day, man. Like there are a lot of people that have very warranted complaints about their jobs. I'm not so sure we're in the position to be freaking out about the buys, but you are correct. It is by week hell in week seven, six teams on buys, the Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Los Angeles Chargers. I know personally in my home league, about three different teams have already come out and just said like, yeah, I'm screwed this week. Guys, look at my bye weeks. Pretty much every team is screwed this week with six teams on by. It isn't this bad every week. In weeks 8, 11, and 12, we only have two teams on by. Weeks 9, 10, 13, and 14, we only have four teams. So this is by far the worst by week of them all. And with that, let's get started. So quarterback streamers, as always, this show, we're going to talk about the guys we think you should sign, obviously, but also guys that we don't. So just because we're listing five guys per position, I'm not saying those are the top five signees at position, more so the top five guys that we're expecting to see and waiver wire articles across the industry and just trying to give our opinion on what you should do with these big names you'll be seeing everywhere. So big five QB streamers. We got Tua versus the Falcons, managed to turn in a QB 10 performance in week six pre-Monday Night Football, did clear over 300 yards, and, you know, despite having a brutal interception, despite not, you know, putting a ton of high-level throws on tape, he is facing an Atlanta Falcons defense that, as we know, does lend itself to some shootouts from time to time. I would note, though, they are coming off a bye, and they are yet to allow 300 passing yards. Like, this is not the first time we've been really setting up for a streamer against the Falcons. We all remember. Daniel Jones unfortunately had a letdown spot there so that's the Tua situation we also got Jameis Winston who's going to be at Seattle week five was the first time he surpassed 25 pass attempts in a game maybe they increased that out of the bye maybe not we got Derek Carr against the Eagles I think personally Carr if you can find him on your waiver wire is the go-to ad because this year man QB 9 QB 8 QB 11 He lets down QB 24, QB 31, and then right back to QB 11. So this week against the Eagles is fine. We get a week eight bye. After that, Giants, Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, Washington, and Chiefs. We know Derek Carr has had a brutal start to the season schedule-wise. It's about to clear up in a hurry. Final two, we got Teddy Bridgewater at the Browns. I want nothing to do with this. Right now, the Broncos, 29th in pressure rate, and it's mostly Teddy's fault because he holds the ball so damn long. Nine slowest release time in the league. Might be a problem against Miles Garrett and company, who boasts PFS number one overall grade. And just not grade, just overall pressure rate through six weeks. And finally, Daniel Jones against the Panthers. Look, 
as someone that did stream Daniel Jones last week, I had to look at myself in the mirror and after a couple glasses of wine, a little whiskey, I was like, Ian, why the hell would you start Daniel Jones in the fantasy football league? When I was calm today, I looked at it a little more insightfully this year. QB 12, QB 4. He had the QB 24 letdown against the Falcons and then QB 7 before he actually got concussed against the Cowboys. So, yes, I cannot overstate how bad week six was for Daniel Jones. Quite literally, PFF's single lowest graded single game performance this season from a quarterback that threw the ball at least 25 times. Hopefully, Kadarius Tony is not experiencing a long term issue. In that case, we could have Daniel Jones against a Reasonable enough, winnable matchup against the Panthers uh, secondary. We'll see if Stephon Gilmore's back, hopefully with more healthy weapons. So Tua, Jameis, Derek Carr, Teddy, and Daniel Jones. Dwayne, I would rank them as Carr number one, Jones two, Jameis three. I think it's a step down from Carr for sure, two of four, and then Teddy five. What are your thoughts on this group? Yeah, I would definitely go Carr number one, um, and I would go Jones number two. I mean, with Jones, we're still seeing, you know, Coming back off the concussion, still had 12% of the design rushing attempts. His scrambles were down only 2%, but I expect that to get back up to normal around 7%. And that's really what you're looking at with Daniel Jones. I mean, you're going to get that floor because of his rushing attempts every single week. And then he can still pop off, you know, and have a big game in the passing game. We need him to get some of his weapons back, you know, losing. Hopefully he'll get Tony back soon. Hopefully he gets Galladay back soon, but he got Sterling Shepard back. Probably get Darius Slayton back this next week. Um, you get the ghost of Evan Ingram. You know, I called him vaporware the other day. I'm not sure like what's going on with, with Evan Ingram. It's always a tease, but yeah, I think those are your top two. And like you mentioned, I think there's a drop off after that. I would, I slightly lean to Tua over Winston just because I know the dolphins love to throw the ball. They haven't been that effective yet, um, but they're very dedicated to throwing the ball. They don't want to run the ball like hardly at all. Whereas, you know, with the saints, it's the opposite. Like they would love to run the ball every play and never let Winston throw one single pass. Like if they could make that game plan work, that's the game plan they would go with so when i know the coach is going to come out and say basically i want you to do your job and i and but the other coach is going to tell the other quarterback i don't want you to do your job then that makes me have to lean to Tua. obviously we know game scripts things like that can change everything it can make it very easy to your point for Winston to actually outperform Tua. it's not like Tua's really played that great this has really been his first he hadn't played much but this is really his first spot of the year where we've seen him produce, but he was a guy that I thought was a sleeper, um, you know, this off season. Now he's without Parker. Um, he's without um, Will Fuller. This, you know, he could get Parker back, but I don't know. We'll have to see. So right now he's basically having to depend on Waddle, um, Mike Gusecki and Mac Hollins. Mac Hollins is still around Ian. That dude's always, I can't believe he's not like on some list, like with Auden Tate. Like, is he Auden Tate's backup? Like Mac Hollins is like, he shows up every, every two I got or three thoughts. years. I got thoughts on Mac Hollins. He was actually really exciting as a field stretcher, as a rookie in that Carson yeah. Wentz MVP campaign. I forget the injury he suffered, but he really just hasn't resembled that same field stretcher in past years. So, you know, Auden and those guys. I like to, if Matt Collins starts balling out, which, Hey, it wasn't good last week. Maybe he will uh, grow up the list, but Dwayne, I can only be the president of so many fan clubs. So nothing <laughs> against Mac for right Crap. now. So you're going to, you're going to tell me I have to take up one of these. Hey, uh, never know, clubs. man. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, you know, and so I would put Teddy and Jameis even, you know, um, they're kind of in the same situation. Both teams really want to, they want to run the ball, but here's what I like about Teddy. 
overall, I still like his weapons better, right? We, we have a slight chance of getting Judy back. Probably not this week. Coach said today, it's more like a coin flip of getting Judy back. Um, but you still got Cortland Sutton. We've still got Tim Patrick, who's one of the best third receivers in the league. We still have Noah Fant. So there's still some more talent there, plus two good running backs. And obviously you've got, you know, Kamara with the Saints. But I just think it's a better, it's better weaponry. And so I would slightly lean to Teddy, but I would make he and Winston right there together. And Michael Thomas is eligible to come off the pup list, but NFL Network's yep. Ian Rapport has reported that he is still a couple of weeks away from returning. I think you're right on Tua and Jameis, particularly after looking more at these game totals. Right now, Saints Seahawks open at 48 for Monday night. That's all the way yeah. down to 43 once people took an actual closer Jeez. look at these rosters. But we got the Miami-Atlanta game up uh, sitting steady at 47.5 to 48. So, yeah, Tua's been throwing the ball more. And if there is going to be a week right think James can just lean on Alvin Kamara and not be asked to do much it probably would make sense here so that order everyone Derek Carr for sure number one we're going Daniel Jones two Tua Jameis Teddy kind of a jumble three but yeah we are taking Tua over those other guys now for the running back room we don't have the same caliber guys as last week in terms of projected three to four week start starter bell cows, but we do have some other guys that can help patch you over in the meantime, maybe longer. Again, we got to see how some of these injuries work out. First things first, the Seahawks walking graveyard of a backfield is now dealing with an injury to Alex Collins, who looked really good Sunday night against the Packers. I think he's always looked pretty good, man, or not against the Packers, excuse me, against the Steelers, but even going back to Collins's days with the Ravens, you know, maybe it's just his tendency to kind of reverse field. I'm always a sucker uh, when you can kind of put those the spin move, man. It's the spin move. I love the spin move. I'm such a sucker for those splashy plays. That's why, you know, guys like Peyton Barber, just don't do it for me sometimes, even if they get the production we're looking for regardless. Anyway, Collins is dealing with hip and glute injuries. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, who the hell cares what Pete Carroll says, but he did say Collins has a chance to play by that. He could miss the rest of the season or he could feasibly play this week. We truly have no clue. Remember Pete Carroll said Chris Carson was day to day and then put him on injured reserve about a week later. So Carson's on IR Collins is questionable. We do have Rashad Penny who has been confirmed by Carroll. He will be activated from injured reserve. So it's a mess, Dwayne, even if Penny is active, I'm expecting more of a two back committee between him and D. DJ Dallas, potentially Travis Homer as well than what we really saw with Carson and Collins. And to add to the problems here, we got the Saints defense that really cool stat we have uh, behind the scenes with PFF average depth of tackle by far number one, the New Orleans Saints at 2.75 yards. Only Washington and Tampa Bay are even under three and a half. So to me, this just shows you how, how the Saints, the Buccaneers, and Washington with their beastly defensive linemen, they are first things first. We are not going to let you run the ball. So yeah, they give up a ton of passing yards. Maybe that's not a great real-life strategy, but in fantasy, these are three true defenses that I do think you can reasonably downgrade running backs for. So Dwayne, thoughts on this backfield, and if you're exactly rushing to get any of these backups up moment i went out and picked up penny a ton last week before the games just because carson was being moved to ir and i didn't know what would happen with alex collins so i like him but those are in really deep formats um but i i do think if, if collins is out i think you'll see something similar to what we saw this past week i think you'll see rashad penny handle probably 60 to 70 percent you know of the rushing attempts and might be closer to 50 percent right in his first game back it just depends on how healthy they think he is 
Um, you know, probably around 40 to 50% of the routes, but then you'll see DJ Dallas, you'll see Homer. Um, those guys will really handle more of the long down and distance. They'll handle the two minute offense, just like what we've really seen for most of the season outside of like week one and two, when it was kind of a weird thing and Chris Carson got some of that work, but really since then it's been more about the other two backs um, and Homer and Dallas taking over those carries. So I think you could see Penny, you know, get out there and, and, pretty much play the role that we saw with Alex Collins. Now I think where it gets really tricky Ian, is if Alex Collins and Penny are active, then I really don't know. Then I think it's just going to be, it could be a complete jumbled up, um, you know, committee. I would think Collins would still be, you know, operating, you know, in that first chair, if you will, because he's looked really good to your point, you know, as long as he's healthy. Um, but I, that's, that's the scenario that, kind of scares me the most, right? If it's Collins going in questionable, he's going to play Penny's back. He's going to play. And then we got these other two backs active as well. That could just really equal a situation. looks more like the Ravens that we don't want to touch. Tuesday, Wednesday, we are probably not going to have a big update on Collins five, 10% fab on Penny at the most. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was putting. I was putting out, you know, men, men bids like one and two percenters. Now though, you've got the news of Collins hurt. People know that Carson's over on the wire. I mean, sorry, on IR. So, yeah, I would say somewhere around there, 5 to 10%, depending on how deep of a league you know you play in. Antonio Gibson getting an MRI on his shim. We're not sure about the results, but very clearly banged up at this point. I would note that he's been playing through his shin injury all year. Two weeks ago, he had 20 carries and two touchdowns. So could certainly have been more of a game script thing. Hey, we're not going to keep running this guy out there last week with Washington getting the piss kicked out of him anyway. But at some point, man, you know, what do we see with these teams that just are going nowhere? Eventually they end up sitting the injured guys for the stretch run. That's why Joe Mixon had that, you know, week to week ankle injury that ended up lasting three months last season. So JD McKissick, Jared Patterson, again, it's not a guarantee that Gibson is going to be out immediately, but this is a situation to start getting ahead on Dwayne. We talked last week, man, about the importance of already getting Jared Patterson. Again, I don't even think we necessarily need to blow our load on the fab just yet with this, unless Gibson gets put on IR immediately, but not McKissick. I think Patterson is the one people want to prioritize because I don't really see McKissick's role changing all that much without Gibson. Yeah, he might really soak up much closer to 100% of the pass down stuff that he's already dominating, but Patterson would likely be the guy all of a sudden getting an additional 10, 12 carries per week. Yeah, I agree. And and for the most part, McKissick's not available anyway. This last week, it's kind of confusing to people because we talked about it briefly last night um, or this morning on on the show. Um, You had McKissick come in and it looked like he really just took over the whole role. But a lot of that was just to do with he was already going to be the one the most involved in the game script because they were getting destroyed by the Chiefs. I mean, they were down by over 10 points. And so we've already seen that happen this year that when they get down by that much and they want to run the two minute offense, McKissick is the player that gets onto the field. So I think you're accurate. We'll probably see McKissick get a little more work than what he had gotten, like you mentioned. But for the most part, I would expect 70 to 80% of the work being left behind by Antonio Gibson for whatever amount of time that he misses. I think it will go to Patterson. And I do like rostering Patterson because a player like um, Gibson that's dealing with a stress fracture, I mean, he needs significant rest for that to get better. I'm not a doctor, but just everything that I've read um, from three or four different experts over the last, you know, week and a half to two weeks around Gibson, which is kind of why we mentioned, mentioned McKissick. It was either last week 
or I can't remember if it was on this show or if it was on a different show, but we mentioned, Hey, look, that's a good preemptive waiver wire pickup. Go grab him right now for basically nothing. And just, you know, let him sit there and see what happens. But I mean, he needs significant rest, you know, from Gibson's perspective um, before he's really going to be able to return and be fully healthy. So either it's something to your point, they are so bad, they shut him down or, they've got to shut him down now for like three or four weeks at least. Right. Just to let him get healthy. I can, I don't remember what week is their bye week in. I think it's like week nine. It's a week I'll 10 check. makes me wonder, like, is that kind of the decision, you know, that they're considering at this point? It's week you know, nine. Where- so if they do it now, they could have him ready to go week 10 and beyond just for that Buccaneers yeah. game. That I'm sure will go great for him. <laughs> Or they're going to just be, you know, so excited to run. And it's an yeah. even week, so McKissick's going to go bonkers. So well, there, yeah, geez, yeah. So I mean, well, they should base like when they're going to put him on IR by that. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> have him come back on an odd week, okay? Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm. You know, it's probably a similar situation to Collins. You know, I. I mean, sorry to, um, you know, Rashad Penny. Yeah. I like the talent, you know, in the draft capital, but it's getting kind of long in the tooth now, right? With Penny, but with Patterson, like, I think you do have a player, you know, sitting in front of you now that could have a potential long-term condition. I think, I mean, Collins is eventually going to be back. And I think when he's back, that's going to be more of a split between him and Penny. There's a bigger opportunity here for this to really, for him to soak up really everything from Antonio Gibson. So I would probably, I would put the fab around the same amount for McKissick as we talked about with Rashad Penny. And if you want to make Penny, you know, your first, because you like him as the better player, then that's fine. You know, then just have Patterson as your backup, but I probably wouldn't lower my bid very much versus what you're doing um, already, um, you know, on Penny. I agree with that. Same same spear. And, you know, it's almost like the Khalil Herbert thing before we knew Damian Williams was going to miss the week with COVID like Patterson's best case is not as a three down back. God, that would piss me off more than anything on this planet. (laughs) If Gibson gets hurt and they give Patterson the three down role, but cautiously optimistic, that won't be the case in Cleveland. We got Kareem hunt on IR with a calf injury out at least three weeks. Luckily not the season ending Achilles type. So at least we have that going for us, but Nick Chubb looking like he might not necessarily be ready for this quick turnaround Thursday night against the Broncos teams don't practice on Monday, but they actually put out injury reports, estimated practice reports, if you will, that denotes what they would have done had they practiced. I know it's really stupid, but Nick Chubb was listed as a DMP in this one. And so was OBJ. We still don't know when Jarvis Landry is going to be back as well. So that leaves us two guys, Dearness Johnson, AAF hall of famer, who has been pretty much their de facto number three, early down back throughout the last two seasons and Demetric Felton who has been getting more touches this year but Dwayne when you look a little, bit, a little bit closer at his usage he only has two snaps as a true running back all season he has 31 in the slot or out wide he's the Mike freaking Jasicki of running backs why do we call him this when it's not the position he plays because you know I guess some of some of these fantasy sites just don't really care and aren't going to change their positions during the year so Dearness versus Felton it doesn't seem like Chubb is looking at a super long-term injury, but he's out at least this week. People need a running back. Do you think the Ernest Johnson deserves to be one of the most highly sought after guys of the week seven? Yeah, I think it's just to your point though, it's I'm only looking at it as a one week fix. So whatever that means to you with where you are in your fantasy season, how badly you need this win, all those variables that, you know, Ian, you and I can never know for right for a listener. Those are all the things that go, you know, into the equation. But like for me, there's no way I'm going over 10% on the player. 
Like um, even at this point in the season, like, I, I mean, I would have a hard time going over 5%. I think you're getting one start maybe, and we're not for sure yet that Chubb will be out. I would lean to Chubb being out Thursday night, but I mean, there's still a chance Chubb plays. So I, I would say 5% is the most I would put um, in, I think you'll enjoy Dearness Johnson for this one game because he's going to play behind a great offensive line. Assuming all the offensive linemen were back. I don't know what they listed them today, um, but they were missing two of their best offensive linemen this last game. Yeah. I'm starting to wonder with this Browns offense. I mean, I know at full health, they are fantastic, but you know, you look at them last week against a Cardinals defense that, very good. Like they've performed well enough this year to see that, but a team like the Browns, I think we would have expected them to really score more than 14 points. So we'll see what happens, man. But when you take away OBJ, when you got Baker more banged up than ever, when you got the missing offensive lineman, yes, for this week, the I think should be fine. If he gets his 15 to 20 combined carries and targets, like we talk about, no problem. But for this Browns offense as a whole might not be a bad idea with all these starters injured, just to kind of lower your overall expectations. In Baltimore, we got Latavius Murray dealing with an ankle injury. The severity is pretty unknown. I haven't seen an update from Harbaugh at this point, which means we got Tyson Williams, who was a healthy scratch last week. Devontae Freeman, who I think has actually looked a little better than Murray. Now that bar like couldn't be lower to the ground, so it's not saying that much, but I think Freeman has done okay with his opportunities. See, your, your, your dog agrees with me. And then Le'Veon Bell is also out there looking horrendous in seven, number 17. I hate that, man. I think it was... Uh, I think it was DeAndre Swift, maybe. I got to interview some of these running backs on this podcast during the summer, and I always asked them who the all-swag RB1 was. And I think Swift agreed that it's Alvin Kamara, because, of course, it's Alvin Kamara. But he said Steelers' Le'Veon Bell was up there uh, in his rankings as well. So it's just a shame to see what Baltimore has reduced him to. Anyway, back to important matters. Do any of these Baltimore running backs interest you, Dwayne? Because at the end of the day, Lamar is throwing more often. He's siphoning away plenty of rushing down work himself. And if we take Murray out of the equation, I just think we're still looking at a muddled three-back committee. Agree. I think if Murray's out, it'll just be Tyson Williams coming in and it'll be splitting it between three players again. I don't, I don't see any one of them. Like, I don't think there's any way to predict it, right? right? Like, would it surprise me if one of them, like what we saw two or three weeks ago when Latavius Murray actually carried, you know, 60, 70%, you know, of the rushing attempts in a game, like that could happen. But to say we, we're going to predict it and to say we know which one, I, we don't. And there's not a clear indicator within the utilization um, data either. There's nothing to say that this would really be the next player up. It could, it could literally be any of the three. It could be none of the three. So I don't want anything to do with it because you're just as likely picking the player. That's the odd player out for the week as you are the player that's going to lead the backfield. And then most likely really middle of the road is just going to be a three-way split. And like you said, it's really a four-way split because Lamar Jackson's also a running back. Yeah. I mean, if we had utilization to go off of, that'd be one thing, but we also, we don't have that. And we can't even go off of like, which guy has been better this year because looking at, you know, our traditional yards per carry, even our yards after contact and stuff like that, Tyson Williams has pretty much been their best running back this year. And it just hasn't made a difference to Harbaugh. So again, I know more things go into it than just pure rushing uh, ability and stuff like that. Either way, we can't predict it. So you should not try to do so on your waiver. If you need a fill-in and you want to, you know, throw out one or $2, 
dollars for one of these guys. That's okay. But yeah, definitely don't be going blowing the bank on this group. Dwayne, I think the number one ad, if you can get him, should be Michael Carter coming off the bye. He's at New England this week, but more than anything, he is the one that we could actually get and then have a legitimate RB3 more weeks than not for the rest of the season without a single injury happening to his backfield. To refresh everyone, 51%, 52% snaps before the bye, 16 and 13 combined carries and targets in those games. So he just seems to have the longest shelf life. It could change if Antonio Gibson gets, gets put on IR tomorrow, if Collins gets put on IR, if Chubb gets put on IR. I get it. Things can change in a hurry. But based on this group right now, I would be most willing to spend, you know, not an egregious amount, but 20, 25% maybe to go get Michael Carter. Yeah, Carter, I mean, he's pushing towards 60%, you know, of the rushing attempts. Um, it's not a great matchup this weekend. You know, we get um, you know, the Patriots again. It's more for long term for sure. Yeah. But for long term, he's for sure out of this whole list that we've talked about. He's the player that I would go get. And yeah, I mean, I think that's probably around, I think that's probably right. 15 to 25% somewhere in there, you know, is what I would put on Carter. Um, I think you can at least depend on him to be worth half of the Jets backfield. Not that that's worth a ton, but you know, it could, it can't get worse really than (laughs) what the Jets backfield has been. And it's slowly been getting a little better. Um, you know, really it's been Ty Johnson really reduced to more of just the passing down work. And then Tevin Coleman's like, just kind of in there on any four series, just kind of as a rotational back. So I like the idea with Carver and yeah, I would, I would definitely rank him number one for the rest of the way. Um, I would probably even just go ahead and rank him number one period. Like even if it meant, you know, Hey, this week, I may not quite like him as much as Johnson or, or whoever else it's worth, you know, in, in the particular matchup, like it's still close enough, like, that I would just roll with Carter, period. Number one, running back out of the week, people, Michael Carter. Number two, Deionis Johnson. Number three, Jared Patterson. Number four, Rashad Penny. And then if you really are desperate, you can take one of those Ravens backups between Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon, or Tyson Williams. Just don't be expecting too much. And please, for the love of God, do not spend too much to get them. Wide receiver, Depends on your league, who you're going to see out there on the waiver wire, but just some guys, again, that I have seen being popped up around the industry. Rashad Bateman, T.Y. Houghton, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tim Patrick, and Jamal Agnew. I'm going to try to make this one pretty quick. (laughs) T.Y. Houghton is dealing with a quad injury, so if you've been checking out an article that doesn't mention that, you know, maybe let the writer know that they should be mentioning that. And, hey, Frank Reich did say Houghton is doing fine. We want to let it settle for another 48 hours before making a determination. I don't know. doesn't sound like he's doing completely fine if you need another two days to determine how fine he is so Paris Campbell got said that he has a significant foot injury that's obviously bad but with T.Y. Hilton like it's far from a guarantee that he's going to play this week and what have we seen from this Indianapolis team all really for the better part of the Frank Reich era we can't predict who's going to be the leading target getter from one week to the next I still think Michael Pittman will be that guy pal more weeks than not moving forward we got the tight ends and the running backs and as great as Carson Wentz played this week Truly, man, our highest graded single game of the year was Carson Wentz this past Sunday. I'm just not sure that we're going to see them continue to ask him to throw the ball that much. He only had, I believe, 22 pass attempts in that entire game. They're not going to be up 28 points all the time here moving forward, but far too many unknowns in this Colts passing game for me to want anything to do with T.Y. Hilton. If he's free and you can just add him and the health thing checks out, okay, maybe you have a wide receiver four now, but there is no ceiling. Nothing like what we saw last week in the last two weeks with Kadarius Toney. 
also have Donovan Peoples-Jones. Maybe if Beckham and Landry are out again, this would be where we could get behind DPJ. But the Beckham injury, for him to come back after halftime and for Landry to be on the verge of coming off the injured list, again, we're looking at best-case scenario one week before he is going back to the most likely number three option in a run-first offense, Tim Patrick. As you said, Dwayne, one of the best, number three, number four, whatever you want to call him, one of the best complimentary receivers in the league, but Sutton's a target hog. And Jerry Judy is, I think, almost tentatively expecting to be back this week, if not this week, the next one. Again. Yeah, they said it was, a, they said it was put it at 50-50 okay. this week. So once Judy is back, like we are 100% not starting Patrick under any circumstances. And even without Judy, I think he's probably, again, just a wide receiver for really at best in this spot. Jamal Agnew's on a bye. Just. No, I shouldn't have to explain this anymore. <laughs> Rashad Bateman is the only guy that I think you want to add. But even then, Dwayne, I feel like people are getting too excited about this. Like Sammy Watkins is not on IR. He was only out for week six. He was really playing well before this injury. They went out and, you know, didn't exactly just pick him up off the scrap heap. They added Sammy with a goal in mind. So, yeah, Bateman, 65% snaps, six targets. But I don't see him just completely – blowing past Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. And if Watkins comes back, there's a chance that Bateman isn't even in starting three wide receiver sets. I do think Bateman will play ahead of Watkins sooner rather than later, but man, Dwayne, out of all these guys, Bateman's the one that, okay, I do think he's probably warrants some bench spots and more leagues than not. Even then I'm just not really excited about this wide receiver group at all. Yeah. I think with Bateman though, you just have to look at it as it, you only get so many shots to add like this kind of potential talent. Right now, we're not saying it's Kadarius Tony level, but I mean, this is a first round draft pick. Um, you know, they definitely have a plan for him as well. So I would say on Bateman, if you're in a small league, five to 10 percent, medium league, 10 to 20 percent, large league, meaning 12 team league that's 20 to 30 percent. If you're in like a large, deep bench national type contest, you're going to have to go over 30 percent to get Rashad Bateman. He's probably not going to be there that much because people have been cleaning him up off the wire over the last two to three weeks. So if he is available, you're going to have to be willing to go bigger in one of those formats. But I think you nailed it. I called him a wide receiver four with upside. Ian, that basically means I've got him right there on the edge of my bench. I'm waiting to get him into my lineup, but I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see the right information before I plug him into my lineup, unless I've just got some kind of weird. Um, this last week I had to put him in one lineup because I had like three receivers out and I didn't want to drop any of them. So I was like, fine, I'll just put Bateman in. I got lucky. This is the week he needed to play because Watkins was out, but it wasn't because I really wanted to. And that's in one of these, these deep, you know, national type contests where, you know, you got to do what you got to do sometimes in those. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. I do think though, you know, we are getting to that time where I don't, you don't, you're not going to have a ton of opportunities left to take a shot on a talent like this. But to your point, we really don't know what's going to happen when Watkins comes back. I'm with you. I do think Bateman eventually takes this role over, but it could be a rotation for another three to four weeks. It could be a rotation for the next of the season. We could see him just X out Sammy Watkins for the rest. There's a lot of, there's a huge range of outcomes here. Um, but the point being is that if we don't really know for sure what's going to happen, you know, it, there's a chance like he could turn this whole receiving core into more of a rotation, right? It even affect, you know, Hollywood Brown. I don't think that's going to be the case as well as Brown has played despite some of the drops. Um, but he just does such a great job helping stretch out the field, you know, and do the thing helps their offense really make defenses respect so many other things. That's one thing that Brown can do that really none of the other receivers on the roster are quite, and look, there's not many receivers in the NFL for that matter. They're equipped to do that the way that Hollywood Brown does when he is a healthy football player. So um, yeah, I do like Bateman, but those are the ranges that I would use on him as far as fat goes. 
So Bateman. And yes, I don't like any of the others. Yes. <laughs> I like Donovan Peoples-Jones, but it's to your point, you, you're going to have Landry coming back. Beckham's not going to be out long-term. This team never runs 11 wide receivers. Like this team, like whenever you look at the Browns, like, look, they don't know what to do when they get in a trailing script. It's almost just like this dysfunctional. It's like, oh my God, what do we do? We normally use three tight ends. They're 24th in the NFL and 11 personnel, you know, on the season. So, I mean, they're in the very bottom, like 11 personnel is basically like, that's the league staple. That's what everyone runs. And the Browns are one of uh, one of the teams that run it the absolute least. Um, they don't ever use the two minute offense. They don't use the no huddle. They, they don't do anything as far as like what normal passing offenses do other than they're really good at play action. Um, and they use their running game to set that up. Go get Bateman. If you're in a smaller league, don't go crazy with it. Bigger league. Yeah. I think Dwayne, you hit that nail on the head. Not many guys out there left like him. We just saw Kadarius Tony, basically the last first round pick that people could go get on the waiver wire. He got scooped up. Now's your chance to go get Bateman. So I believe you said 14 team leagues, something about 30%. You'd be interested in. Sorry, what was it, Ian? For uh, Bateman in like 14 team leagues, I think you said 30%. Oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. So 30 plus percent is like a deep league. So yeah, that would be like in 12 team, 20 bench, or to your point, you're getting to like a 14 teamer, cool. you know, where maybe you got, you know, you don't have 20 person rosters, but you've got 16 or 17. Yeah, good stuff there. And just real quick, uh, we talked about this on the game by game um, breakdown pod we did Sunday night and I went ahead and actually ran some numbers today. So we were talking about air yards and the difference between air yards and prayer yards. So what I actually did was using some of PFF's cool stuff. I took air yards from incompletions that were deemed to be their quarterback's fault. So we have overthrown, underthrown, thrown behind, catch out of bounds, about seven different categories that just show that it was the quarterback's fault. So these are the prayer yards, the air yards on throws that this wide receiver had no chance to catch. Number one by far, Cortland Sutton. Number two, DJ Moore. Three and four, Devontae Adams and MBS. Don't look now. Aaron Rodgers has actually been a brutal downfield passer this year. And number five, Robbie Anderson. So on the one hand, I do think Robbie is a decent buy low guy. And if he is on your waiver wire in a smaller league, you know, you could do worse than having a number two wide receiver, number two pass game option really in any offense. With that said, we are seeing, you know, the true version, I think, of Sam Darnold coming out here a little bit over the past three weeks. And you can see that by both DJ and Robbie having a spot on this list. So just wanted to, you know, tie that up because that was an interesting conversation I thought we had last night. Real quick on the tight end room, Ricky Seals-Jones is now everyone's favorite waiver target. Hopefully you picked him up last week when Dwayne and I told you to do so. Behind him, we got CJ Uzoma, Zach Ertz, Robert Tunyon's popping up a little bit, Evan Ingram. I think Ertz is the only other one that you should actually be looking to grab with the thought of playing him for more than a week or two. Even then, like keep your expectations in check here. Max Williams as kind of good as he was doing before he got lost for the season was only averaging four targets per game in weeks one through four. Like you've all heard about DeAndre Hopkins target struggles. You know how involved AJ Green has been, you know, Rondale Moore can barely get enough targets to make that, make things work. Do we really think Cliff Kingsbury is just going to feature Zach Ertz above all these people? Maybe, I guess it wouldn't be the strangest thing Cliff has done over the past 12 months. But again, I just don't think the ups, I think the name recognition far outweighs the actual upside we're getting in the year 2021. So I would hundred percent take Ricky Seals Jones over Zach Ertz for this week. I think Ertz deserves to be named above the rest of the guys, but Dwayne, like, am I missing something with Ertz? I think we're looking nope. at a like, all right, cool. Yeah. Part-time <laughs> player in a crowded passing game. 
Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, put out a tweet last week when the trade happened that I see him as a mid range tight end too. Um, yeah. You know, he's just not out there for enough routes in this offense because they like to run 10 personnel more than any other team in the league. They rank first or second. Yeah. They're first in the NFL and 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers. So when you're running four wide receivers, guess who's not on the field, Zach Ertz. And so that immediately means you're looking at, you hope that Zach Ertz can get to 70% of the routes per the team passing plays, but typically they like to rotate some of these other guys as well, just a little bit. And it's not like they're, you know, saying they don't like Zach Ertz or they didn't like Max Williams, but they have some different packages they use. And so when they get these other guys involved, then all of a sudden you're looking at, oh, I'm on the route, I'm on the field for 60% of the routes. And what you just mentioned, I've still, you know, I've got DeAndre Hopkins on the field, you've got Christian Kirk on the field, you've got AJ Green, you've got Rondell Moore, you got, uh, you know, Chase Edmonds getting 15, 17% of the targets every week. There's just a lot of mouths to feed. Um, so, yeah, I think Ertz will be more of a boom bust type tight end. I think he'll give you some weeks like what Max Williams did. Um, and I do think he belongs to be, he, he deserves to be second on the list because he is, He's a player that's done enough in his career that, you know, he could, he could change our minds in the next week or two. But I do think that Sills Jones is the top option. I think the best move this week to make, you know, Ian, and I know this isn't a trade show, but if you can go get Dallas Goddard, like I'm guessing the person that is still rostering Dallas Goddard is going to, you know, be excited about the fact that Ertz is gone. But, you know, some people just don't, they just don't understand like what these things mean. Right. So I do believe that Dallas Goddard, you know, I've got him slotted as my number seven tight end for yeah. the rest of the season, for the rest of the season. So if that's a player that you can go get, you definitely want to try to make a move for Goddard. If you're hurting at tight end. Everyone that just kept, you know, we, we heard Zach Ertz was coming back and just nobody wanted to change their rankings. They had set. <laughs> know, that, was a, that was such a stale take. <laughs> no one wanted to switch. They're like, Goddard's going to beat him out. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I know we were just like, damn it, it's Goddard or bust. No, I think you and I actually changed at the end. We moved him down because we were just finally like, man, this, this just isn't like, this isn't happening. <laughs> so Buffalo yeah. trade rumors have been happening for a month. And uh, Zach Ertz. Well, yeah. And and now Buffalo is like, yeah, we have this guy named Dawson Knox. who's kind of badass. <laughs> oh man. God, I love fantasy football. Well, people right now, just want to let you know, you can get 20% off any PFF subscription. If you just use code, Fantasy grades and data are live for every single player who logged a snap last week. Go check out the highest graded players from week six. And with this subscription, you can get all the PFF's locked article content, weekly player rankings to help you set your lineups, strength of schedule, goodness, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, prop tool, and our great power projections and cover probabilities. So please support the podcast. Use promo code fantasy for 25% off any subscription that we offer. And also NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NFL has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. Looking ahead at the week seven lines just to, hey, you know, give you the actual Sure thing, winner. We got a couple of big favorites. Yeah, so you can bet on the Buccaneers who are sitting as 13 and a half point favorites at home against the Bears. We also got the Cardinals as 17 point favorites at home against the Texans. So all you got to do is bet $5 on Tampa Bay or Arizona. And if they win, when they win, you will get $200 in free bets. So again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team a.k.a. Tampa or Arizona, to win their game and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code PFF. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL.
Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers. Only men. $5 deposit. $1 wager. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, people, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead on both your fancy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Allen Sunday Night Football? How about a need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast in Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. A-S-K-C-R-I-S. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. And finally, people, it's football season. You know what that means? It means we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show, Manscaped. Listening through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using code PFF at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. Again, people, 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PFF. Dwayne, the people who are listening to this on a Tuesday, they can go to pff.com, find your utilization report. They can find our rankings Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, depending on the mood. Who knows? Anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. No, we've hit it all. We always hit it all, Dwayne, because we talk all the freaking time and we live this freaking <laughs> shit, bro. So, of course, we did. You can also check out my week seven quarterback predictions um, on the website. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Yeah, most likely to hold the ball too long. That's going to be Teddy Bridgewater talked about some of those pressure numbers and why that could be uh, over Justin Fields. Well, he, he has something similar. There's 26. <laughs> we have a little bit of overlap. Most likely to fix the old deep ball, Aaron Rodgers. I told you about the problem with that. You know who had a problem with the deep ball last week? Mac Jones. He had completed just four of 19 of his deep passes in weeks one through five against the Cowboys. Four for four on passes thrown 20 yards downfield, 144 yards, and a pair of scores. Most likely turn in another fantasy QB1 performance. Jalen Hurts, who has somehow finished as a fantasy QB1 in all but one of his career starts. So 26 of these things, people. None of them are really longer than 100 words. I guarantee you'll learn something. And the fine folks at PFF have even made it for free, 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 free. So if you don't want to use code FANCY to get 25% off, you can still read this article and then go brag to your friends, your dog, whoever you talk about fantasy. So check that out. Check out Dwayne's utilization report as always. And for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.